the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. 888-528-2557. And uh, a little updates from the weekend on some of the topics that uh, we have been talking about. The university uh, presidents, uh, president of uh, UPenn, Liz McGill, was fired or uh, or she was asked for her resignation uh, from uh, UPenn. And uh, this is because several... um, from Harvard and MIT, also college presidents were asked multiple times last week about whether or not their policies on harassment would include um, disciplining a student if they were openly calling for the genocide of Jews. So it kind of, if you watch that whole thing, it's very disturbing. And it's that troublesome conversation. See, she's lost hundreds of millions of dollars now so far from Penn, and the same from Harvard and uh, the other schools. We'll see what happens with those presidents. It's not just the presidents, though, of those universities. This is something that has been baked in for a long time, and I think people are coming to realize that. A poll came out, uh, a YouGov poll, really good poll, came out uh, good by, not by its results, its results are horrifying, but a reliable poll of what Americans think. And 20% well, I just gave it away. I was going to ask you, you know, what percentage of young people would you say um, believe that the Holocaust is a myth, that the story of six million Jews being exterminated by the Nazis in World War II, that that did not happen? It's made up. The answer is 20 percent. And by the way, another 30 percent believe don't believe one way or the other. They're not sure one way or the other. And then there's another 23 percent that say that it's exaggerated. So you're looking at a majority of people 18 to 29, 20% say it didn't happen at all, that it's all made up. 20%. Let me tell you something. If you don't think the Holocaust happened, that's the same as believing that the earth is flat. It's the same. You're in the same category. You know, there there is something I think that we're learning from all of this about people's views is that an error that we make is that we say, you know, only people on the right or only people on the left might have certain views about certain things. No, I think that when it comes to hate, you find people on all sides who find ways to hate and you find ways to uh, say the same thing, maybe in different ways um, that is difficult and even believe or that is that is wrong. And you even come to beliefs. 20% of young people think the Holocaust is a myth. Uh, 23% say that the Holocaust has been exaggerated. And another 30% aren't even sure. That's that's incredible. And now for the other age groups, if you're 65 and older, almost nobody said the Holocaust is a myth. That's because you saw some of it, uh, certain ages. You, cert- you, you saw the result. Your parents fought in it. Um, your grandparents fought in World War II. You have stories. You've been to Dachau and you've been to Auschwitz and you've seen it. You've known people your whole life. And you were taught very much about the 
Holocaust. If you are 45 to 64, almost the same. A few more people deny that the Holocaust, but not very many. I'm in that age range there, 45 to 64. And we were taught very clearly, there was no sense that this did not happen. There's not even a question about it in our, I think, our age group's education. It jumps a little bit, almost 10% when you get to 30 to 44 years old. So you start to see where the system has started to allow for this kind of teaching. And, you know, just when you get to that, that kind of level, you have to ask, where does this come from? I mean, when you can go put your your feet and walk through concentration camps, and I have, I've been to Dachau, and you go in there and you never forget. I was in there, I was there, I was 16 or 17. I would have been almost 17, I think. And I'll never forget it. I will never, ever, ever forget being in that place and this twisted-looking uh, sculpture kind of looks like barbed wire, but when you look closely at it, you see that it's bodies kind of all twisted, and it's black, and it's death, and it's – you never forget that. You can't forget that. When you look at the pictures, you hear the stories, you read the books, you know, it's there. And yet – and anybody going on the Internet, take you five minutes to to understand this happened, to understand that this is something for real, and yet 20% – of younger people deny. They say it's a myth. Uh, How does that happen? Well, I'm hoping that through all of this misery that is going on, that people wake up to the fact that we have gone the wrong direction when it comes to education. One of those people who woke up with it is a reporter who is from uh, CNN, and uh, his name is Fareed Zakari. Zakari. I've seen him quite a bit on that station. I watch all the stations, by the way, just so you know. And just so you know where he's coming from, he is. A, he calls himself a non-secular, or he calls himself a secular Muslim. Uh, is his personal belief? That's what he says about himself. He's fairly liberal. He likes to call himself a centrist, but he's not. He's pretty liberal. And uh, I wouldn't say he's a a leftist exactly, but he's upheld a lot of views. But he's come around. I want to. I'm going to play some of the things that he had to say uh, in response to what we are seeing in the universities and response to this poll. Here's my take. When one thinks of America's greatest strengths, the kind of assets the world looks at with admiration and envy. America's elite universities would long have been at the top of that list. But the American public has been losing faith in these universities for good reason. Three university presidents came under fire this week for their vague and indecisive answers when asked whether calling for the genocide of Jews would violate their institution's codes of conduct. But to understand their performance, we have to understand the broad shift that has taken place at elite universities, which have gone from being centers of excellence to institutions pushing political agendas. Now, that's a profound statement. I think for a lot of us, we've been on that page for a long time. But this is somebody who is coming around to this, who probably within uh, five, six, seven, eight years would not have said this. And he has come around and his analysis is pretty good. People sense the transformation. As Paul Tuff has pointed out, the share of young adults who said a college degree was very important fell from 74% in 2013 to just 41% in 2019. Think about that. Now, that's before any of all this stuff's happening. It's already fallen down to 41%, the number of people who think college education is important. You know, my first 
real jobs, meaning, I mean, everything's a real job. I had somebody get really mad at me once for saying that. I don't mean your job's not a real job, but when I worked for Kmart, it's not kind of your, unless you get into management or something, probably not your ideal job, right? But I worked for a, a big company once, and uh, as part of that role, I hired people. And I was amazed that, but I understood it at the time, this would have been the 90s, okay, that we wouldn't hire anybody in this large government contractor they were a high technology company. About half was government contracting and half was other stuff. I mean, they're the guys who invented the technology that you uh, use when you go on the toll roads now, that fast track technology. In fact, outside my window, they were when they were testing it, there was this track that they built in the parking lot of all these cars, you know, spinning around, going underneath it to see if it worked. Well, I was not allowed to even talk to you if you didn't have a college degree. It didn't matter what the job was. It didn't matter if your degree had anything to do with the job. It didn't have anything to do, you know, I... And you think to yourself when you, you, you'd go, I don't know that you really need a college degree for this. But I asked – and so I asked about it. I said, hey, you know, why does this job need a college degree? And they said because a college degree proves that you can finish something that you started. And that's what they said. Uh, and now I'll bet that same company – I don't know for sure, but I'll bet that same company cares a lot less about that college degree. And especially I'll bet that they look at – like it didn't really matter what your degree was in back then. I'll bet it matters now. I'll bet uh, that if you – one of the things that he – this guy uh, Fareed Zakaria talks about is that you can get all kinds of different degrees and uh, different subjects. And that to me that says you're a problem if that's your – you know, if your degree – and I don't don't mean to put you down, right? If you're gender studies or DEI or one of these things – and there's important things in those studies. I'm sure there's great things that you learn about people and stuff, but you also look like trouble on a resume. I'm just saying, you know, don't think that your potential employer isn't Googling you. Well, they're not supposed to. Well, don't think that they're not. Uh, I once had, and uh, working at a church, I got it down. I had like 300 applicants for youth director once, and I got it down to five top candidates, and I Googled all five of them, and then I had zero. Trust me. Your your digital footprint, by the way, is permanent, just out there. And uh, and don't think that people aren't doing that. And don't think that people don't judge you on the type of degree you have based upon whether or not you're going to be able to get along with people. And it might be completely unfair and completely in, unjust. Certainly that's true a lot of the time. But sometimes it's not true and it's not really worth the risk. Anyway, the whole idea that the college education is not that, not that important. Did your parents want you to go to college? Like maybe you're the, you might be listening and you're the first person ever to go to college. This is a hard conversation because it's a, it was such a meaningful thing in the family, right? I was not the first. I would have been, I think, the second generation, though, to go to college. And I think that uh, maybe, Dad, you're listening he probably doesn't care now, but I never pursued a doctorate degree, and I think that from his perspective, it would have been a cool thing for my generation and my family to be. I would have been the first to get a doctorate degree. I have a master's degree, um, and I thought about it, but then I thought, why? Why do I need that? Um, there was this attitude. I was there would have been no way probably I could really get away with not going to college in my family. My dad had some. You know, my first job was in construction. And my dad said, this is the reason you go to college. And I liked my job and stuff, right? But he understood that, you know, uh, you you might not get the type of job you should go to if you go to college. Now, I don't know that I'd say that to my kid. That's the interesting thing is I want him to be able to live his life and be successful and do all those things. You know, but you can go to trade school and become a welder and make a lot more money than you will in uh, lots of degrees out there and make a pretty good living. 
anyway, I go to college. And then after college, I worked for Circuit City. And my dad said, this is why you go to graduate school. Right. That was the <laughs> that was the attitude uh, out there. I think that's changed. That's what the the studies have changed or the studies are saying. But it hasn't changed because people don't think education is valuable. It's because education has changed. American universities have been neglecting a core focus on excellence in order to pursue a variety of agendas, many of them clustered around diversity and inclusion. It started with the best of intentions. Colleges wanted to make sure young people of all backgrounds had access to higher education and felt comfortable on campus. But those good intentions have morphed into a dogmatic ideology and turned these universities into places where the pervasive goals are political and social engineering, not academic merit. See, ideas of diversity and inclusion and those things, they sound good and they can be good. And they sound like, hey, that's a people we want to be. But when they get distorted into something that says uh, you but not you, right, or it becomes into something that is political in nature, it affects the entire school. And that's what Fareed Zakaria is saying here on CNN. Of course, those who would suffer most would be bright students from poor backgrounds who normally use tests like the SAT to demonstrate their qualifications. So what he says here is seeing colleges are saying they're not going to they're not going to use some colleges saying they're not going to use the SAT now for admissions. And some schools, including like uh, in the state of Oregon, are no longer going to use test scores in math or science or English to to mean anything. And lots of schools have gotten rid of grades altogether. And the problem is, is you're pushing people towards graduation, but not education. And the people who suffer are the people who are working really hard to get out of poverty in particular, to bring a new life for their family and for generations to go to college and do that. You're taking that away. So the thing that my dad would say, you got to do this in order to, you know, to move forward in life and that so many families and so many places have said that opportunity is being removed for political reasons from everybody. And the people who suffer the most are the people who are poor, the people who do not have as much opportunity, whether that's from racism or other things that that economic that affect things. That is something that gets taken away when things become ideological rather than about education. I thought that these things that he said are are correct. What do you think? 888-528-2557. 2557. Fareed on CNN continues. Great inflation in the humanities is rampant. At Yale, the median grade is now an A. Did you catch that? He calls it grade inflation. And what it is, is there are movements that say, we feel bad by giving you a bad grade. So you might feel bad if you got a C and somebody else got a B and somebody else got a. It's not equitable. Right. There is something about that that seems like it's unfair, even though the A student really studied really hard or maybe they just have an exceptional ability, you know, to do something. The average grade at Yale, Yale, Ivy League is an A. Grade inflation in the humanities is rampant. At Yale, the median grade is now an A. New subjects crop up that are really political agendas, not academic fields. You can now major in diversity, equity, and inclusion at some colleges. See, that's the person I think doesn't get a job later because they're afraid of you. You might have learned some good stuff and you might have a good heart. It might be completely unfair, actually, to you. But there is such a, a downside to this. You know, I'd like to know. Here's a, you, know, you ever go to the doctor and the doctor has their degree on the wall? 
most of the doctors I've been to, they put their degrees on the wall where they went to school. You know, I've been looking for a new doctor and they usually say something about their degree. You know what the difference is? Wilbert, what's the difference between a doctor who got straight A's versus a doctor who was the bottom of his class and barely passed? What's the difference? Nothing. Nothing. They're both called doctor, right? But as a patient, there is something there to it, right? Maybe maybe I don't really want the A guy because maybe he's just too academic or something, right? But I don't want the guy who barely passed who probably cheated in med school to get through, right? There's... It matters. The grades matter because there is something that comes out of that. There's an outcome to people's ability and understanding to know. I took Christy to the doctor one time who she had this terrible pain. I haven't asked her if I can tell the story. I used to get in trouble all the time for telling Christy stories uh, from the pulpit without uh... – anyway, so sorry. Uh, I think I've told the story before uh, somewhere. Anyway, she had this pain. And we're looking it up. We're getting concerned, right? And I, I'm doing, reading all these medical journals online, and you can find the stuff. And I read this one that was talking about gallbladder problems. And I said, I think this is it. Let's go to the doctor. So we go to the doctor, the brand-new doctor, nobody in the waiting room, which is always a bad sign. We get right in, and this guy, word for word, quotes the book I read online the night before. I mean, it was word for word. Like, I must have got the same book that he got. And I remember listening to him say this. And at first I'm going, yes, this is good. I think you were, you know, not, I'm not a doctor. I don't even pretend to be, right? But I can read and it's word for word. But I turn the page and when you turn the page, it gives you the next steps. Well, he didn't turn the page in his schooling apparently. And then he told her it was all in her head. He literally said that. And no, the book he was quoting from, if you go to the next page says, what you should do is do an ultrasound. And describes all of that. And I was so mad. We left there and I said, we are getting a new doctor. There's no way we're doing this. We got a new doctor. And the funny thing is that she, it wasn't word for word, but I could tell she read the same book, but she turned the page and it said, well, we're going to do an ultrasound. And uh, sure enough, we were able to solve the problem that way. See, there's a difference in actual education versus just graduation versus just pushing people through so that you have something to say. You know, I think that there's a lot of work that's good that happens, be, you know, to make sure that you weren't penalizing people of different races or other things, or whether it's deliberate because you're racist or because it's just inadvertent, right? There's, there's a good thing to that, but it goes too far when you aren't educating people anymore and taking people's grades away. I don't get that at all. You know, you want people to learn, not just get a piece of paper they can put on their wall. 888-528-2557. Teresa and Moore Park, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thanks. Hi, Teresa. I had a question for you. So um, I am a teacher at a school where it's high poverty, high need in Los Angeles. And you said that, that kids who are in poverty are the ones who are suffering the most. Yeah. From this, like when they get rid of test scores, but I would disagree with that assessment, but you didn't really connect the dots. So I was wondering if you could explain why, how you came to that conclusion first. What he was saying, and I was uh, going off of what Fareed Zakaria is, he was talking about the removal of test scores and the removal of the SAT as a requirement to get into college. He said that when you do that, then it becomes essentially what he said. It was it becomes kind of a lottery who gets in. So what happens is the kid who is in poverty, who works really hard, who pushes past the you know, the adversities that are there and all of that, now no longer has any advantage from hard working, uh, from working hard. Because if getting into college is basically a lottery at some point, and it's not about your grade point average, and it's not about 
your SAT score, then you aren't any better off with respect to getting out than the person who doesn't do any of that. And now, so, what, do you agree with that, or how do you see it? I I don't because what I see at my school is kids are not doing well on the SAT. Even kids who <laughs> have truly pushed themselves, they are taking AP classes. They're getting A's. They have you know four point Really hardworking kids are not successful on the SAT. And I have taught at multiple types of schools and. Hey, Teresa, I got to take a break. Can you hold on for the break? Sure. Can you do that? Okay, hold on for the break. We'll come back with Teresa as the uh, Pastor Scott Show continues. You can follow me on social media at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, X, and Instagram. Uh, we'll be back with Teresa and that conversation as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. The most obvious lack of diversity at universities, political diversity, which clearly affects their ability to analyze many issues, is never addressed, showing that these goals are not centrally related to achieving or sustaining or building excellence. Out of this culture of diversity has grown the collection of ideas and practices that we have now all heard of, safe spaces, trigger warnings, microaggressions. As the authors Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff have discussed, many of these colleges have instituted speech codes that make it a violation of university rules to say things that some groups might find offensive. Universities advise students not to speak, act, even dress in ways that might cause offense to some minority groups. That is Fareed Zakaria from CNN, who is giving his take on what's been happening in our universities, why 20 percent of university of of people aged now 18 to to 29 think the Holocaust is a myth with another 23 percent who think that it's exaggerated. Another 30 percent who don't know either way. And he's talking about education, trends in education over the past many years. And one of those trends is for schools to eliminate the SAT or eliminate grades or to have grade inflation where everybody gets an A, kind of like everybody gets a trophy. Even at schools like Yale, where the average grade uh, is an A. And he's arguing that that's a bad thing. I tend to agree. Uh, And he argued that it was uh, that it hurt the poorest of people the most who are trying to compete and uh, it changes their opportunities to be able to work hard to uh, get out of poverty or into schools in the right system. Teresa is a teacher who is uh, in, she's calling from Moore Park. And uh, Teresa, tell us again uh, where you teach, not exactly where, but you, you don't really agree that these are the best measurements of helping people succeed. You still there? I am here. Yeah, go Can ahead. You hear me? Yeah, go ahead. The SAT has been removed from a lot of institutions because it tends to bias and favor um, people who have a parents who are college educated and it has proven in schools where you have a lot of poverty that those kids including the school I teach at even if they're straight A kids taking a lot of AP classes succeeding on the AP test even enrolled in college classes they're not doing well on the SAT and that's keeping them from institutions however those same message, if you look at the UCs and the Cal States, when I look at my students and who gets into those schools, the elite schools of, 
uh, UCLA and Berkeley is still very few. It's the kids who have the straight A's and have proven themselves through those means and not necessarily a test. So there's some measurement that still works for those kids because of the grades. Absolutely. And also, I went to Harvard myself. And so when he talks about all the average grade at Yale being an A, there's a reason for that. The kids who get into Yale are highly academic people. And so unless you're grading on a bell curve, it's not unreasonable to think that these people have demonstrated quality work that's deserving of an A. It's not a, it, if you were saying the same thing of, uh, you know, an average institution, but Yale, I mean, it's understandable that those kids, the average grade would be an A. Yeah, I understand that as a possibility. I think what he's getting into is the idea that they aren't giving out grades that would be more deserving of B's or C's, um, kind of what he's getting into. I'm, I'm interested, though, if you're in your school, if you got to a place where you had to give everybody an A or where grades don't matter, some schools have decided to do that, would that hurt or, help? That. Would that hurt or help oh. kids? Absolutely, that would hurt kids. I yeah. think that grades are necessary in order to motivate kids in order to learn. Yeah. So, Have you ever run into any trouble with that at your school? Not at all. Not at all? Okay, I think that's good. Because yeah. I think what I worry about is, is number one, I'm worried about just a lack of education. Because the numbers, I don't know what it's like at your school, right? But the California numbers of, you know, where people are at with reading ability, you know, in general is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. to me, if you're not going to educate people, uh, that is the worst thing that you can do for them in life. That they're not going to succeed very easily. But also, a lot of times this is based on a standardized test where kids have no personal motivation to succeed on it. We gave two tests this year, a beginning of the year test and a middle of the year test. The beginning of the year test, I was looking at my class that I have to test. Most of them scored in the third grade level. And these are high school kids. They had no motivation. The second test we took, we gave them an assignment. Look at your first score. Reflect on it. What's your goal for the second one? They took it, and most of them scored in eighth grade level. It's not because they all of a sudden learned how to jump five grade levels. It's because they all of a sudden cared what they got on the test. I think so sometimes those assessments are not know, very. It doesn't uh, get into that, right? Why you know, the motivation? Right. Yeah. Because those tests are for the school. They're not for the kid. So they don't care. Right. <laughs> I always liked those days because you just didn't have to do regular homework. Right. You know. All right. There's lots of factors, and standardized tests aren't always the best measurement of a kid's actual ability. But grades, teachers tend to put, you know, they have more knowledge of what the kid can actually do. You have to have some measurement, right? So that I think the concern right. is getting rid of all, like in Oregon, they kind of got rid of all the measurements. It's like, well, then how do you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the issues in San Francisco that had the, San, you know, a lot of people recalled their school board because they started getting rid of that. They had some kind of elite charter schools that uh, turned into lottery rather than scores. And uh, what it does is it just means work. It, it demotivates the kids who would be motivated. Yeah. And I think that's I a big part of it. Teresa, I really appreciate your call. Thank you for calling and uh, clarifying those things. 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Eric in Corona, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott, how are you doing? I'm good, Eric. How are you? Good, good. Look, I'm going to surprise you, but I disagree with you. Oh, you do? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But here's, 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 here's why. I think that when when... 
these subjects are, are brought up, I think people look at it look at it the wrong way because the question isn't what's happening on college campuses and universities because college campuses and universities are not going to change. They look at the world inside out, not out, not outside in. So they're because these people never leave campus. It, it goes it goes on there, and they have no incentive to change. Universities like USC and 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 Harvard are sitting on almost a billion and a half dollars in endowments. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Take the federal funding from them? The question, the bigger question, should be this: not what goes on from freshman to senior year. How are the kids, eighteen to twenty nine year olds, competing in the world today? Do you have any studies on that? Because that's the bigger question: Are they competing? In the world today, not what's happening. Uh, listen, I went to school 25 years ago, and you'd be surprised. It was a liberal university. I almost became a Muslim. Mm. Okay? It's, yeah. that's, that's how universities were like that in the 30s and 40s and 50s. They're liberal institutions. The bigger question is this. Are these kids acquiring a degree, and are they going out in the world and competing? I have a, I have a small sample size. They got two kids. They're both Gen Zers. They graduated in... 21 and 22 and one's a school teacher other one's nfl network so the question is are they competing not what's happening college campuses you can spend 57 years talking about liberal universities and what's being taught are these kids applying what they're learning and are they taking it out in the world and competing and i'll give you a small my son teaches in texas and he texted me over the summer you know what he said what? All he texted me is this. He said, I get it. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I that's a great text. We didn't we didn't have to have a conversation about it because yeah. I knew exactly what he meant. That's a great that is a great text. Eric, I, I don't think that we do disagree on this particular point. Where I'm I'm headed it is why though has the change, for example, on the Holocaust, where fifty percent of of people coming out of schools either think it never happened or it's exaggerated or they're not sure. That that wasn't the way for you and me whenever we graduated. I went that's to a pretty, liberal school. But that's pretty simple. That's one simple word, Internet. You think they're – see, that's, that might be where we disagree. I, I don't think they're just getting that from the Internet, although I, I would agree it's a big part of it. But I think they're getting that's that from the schools, that's right? Do you, that's what conspiracy – I mean – uh, well, I, well, well, what we're seeing I, on the I, news, I, though, seems like you think that. So let me clarify. Do you think that Harvard, MIT and UPenn, these schools that are highlighted right now, that these university professors who who uh, presidents who will probably get fired? And I would also agree. But what you said, I think, before they're getting fired because of the money, probably than the issue. Um, but do you think this isn't what they're being taught in classes? There have been professors who are a part of the same dialogue. That. I don't. I don't think it matters if you go to Harvard or Yale. You want to work on Wall Street and one for, one for office. Yeah, I agree I mean, with I that. Really but think, but I, think, I totally. I, I think, really think that's the scary really part, care. though. Right? If you go to these schools, you're going to be in Congress one day, and you don't think the Holocaust happened. That's that's bad, right? I mean, what, what's I mean, what scares me is I was standing in line at the checkout at at, at Albertsons, and this lady was talking about what Alex Jones was talking about that morning. Well, yeah, that's. <laughs> You know, equally, I mean, equally as scary, right? But, but I think that wouldn't we – isn't that part of the educational process? That's what Fareed Zakaria ultimately said, is he said there's not a diversity of thought, so you're only – that's one of the controversies with these 
these presidents is that you're not allowed to misgender somebody. You're not allowed to dress certain ways. There's all kinds of restrictions on speech, uh, except that you can say that Jews, the genocide against Jews is okay. That's okay. But you can't do all this other stuff. That's part of the issue is that if you're going to have free speech, it's got to be free across the board, right? Isn't, isn't the ability to think, to look at an Alex Jones or to look at whoever you're watching and be able to think critically about what they're saying. Have we lost that because our system doesn't educate us to think? Possibly, but I think that I, I think that um, time, age, and experience, just like you and I, correct. They, they, they correct all those things in time. I'm not, I, I didn't call you to defend Yale and Harvard. And, yeah, and yeah, all that stuff. I know that. My, 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 my only point. My only point is this: is that the point of going to school is get is get education to go out get a fantastic job so you can buy your brand new Tesla. Well, <laughs> I, I hope it's more than I got to go. They got a break coming. Eric, always appreciate your call. Um, I hope the point of school is to be educated more than what it will buy you. But uh, all right, I got to take a break. 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott, she'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. What we saw in the House hearing this week was the inevitable result of decades of the politicization of universities. America's top colleges are no longer seen as bastions of excellence, but partisan outfits, which means they will keep getting buffeted by these political storms as they emerge. They should abandon this long misadventure into politics retrain their gaze on their core strengths and rebuild their reputations as centers of research and learning. That is Fareed Zakaria on CNN, who is, uh, he's liberal. I don't know if you call him a leftist. There's a big difference, by the way. Dennis Prager always puts that a certain way that there's, makes that really clear. And I think that's correct that some people, you got it on the far right or the far left, they have different agendas and truth doesn't matter. Right. But for most people, even whether you're right or wrong about something, truth matters. You want you want what's actually true Uh, from the education system. A lot of this is driving today our conversation that uh, poll has come out. And we know that anti-Semitism has been rising and you hear all of that. Of course, when you see it and then you see that more than 50 percent of uh, 18 to 29 aren't sure, uh, either deny that the Holocaust happened at all or they're not sure uh, that's a huge statistic. Uh, that That's a very meaningful thing. When the older generations all together obviously think that it happened. So you, and is that just something you figure out when you get older? Like there's a lot of things you go to college and you think you know everything and then you get to be 24, 25 and you find out you don't. Uh, and that's a good thing, right? That's part of growing up. Um, but this is, these are numbers that we have not seen. Is this different? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Let me see if we can get to a bunch of calls here. William and Fullerton, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Hi, William. How are you? It's good. To... I'm doing okay. You're... This is another another subject. I just want to do about five, four or five uh, short points. Well, give me just one or two quick and ones. Then... I got other. I got other calls. So, what is your biggest point okay. that you'd like to make? Okay, the, the, big, the biggest point, well, one of the biggest points is these colleges and universities have failed the students in such a huge way that obviously they're being taught what to think instead of how to think. 
And uh, second, your your uh, the comments uh, that some of the other people that have called in uh, just to cease never never cease to amaze me. You got these twenty something what I call trust fund babies that got this degree, and they think that 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 will impress a prospective employer by waving it in their face. Well, and it has, you know, it has impressed uh, those employers in the past. And I think one of the questions is, is that still the case? Is part of the elite universities who put out people who would, I know people who've gone to those schools who get jobs that I'm not sure that they would get if they didn't go to those schools, if that wasn't on the paper, right? Um, But is that still going to happen? Are people, because at the end of the day, you have to be, you have to perform well in the job, which includes getting along with people more than just right, what's on the exactly. paper. That's what I'm afraid we've lost. That's the point I was trying to follow up with that. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, if, you can't get, if you cannot get along with people because of whatever it is that, uh, that you know, you're, you've got rich parents and they, uh, they, they plunk down all this money for, to get you a degree, and, but, you're, but your, your, your train of thought is all about you Instead of about the people that are paying your paycheck, if you can't follow simple instructions when you're at the employer and instead uh, offer your opinion on everything and try to tell the boss how to do his job instead of doing the job that you were hired to do, um, leaves a lot to be desired. Is that I've, is I've that new? Let me ask you this question, William. I don't know if you've been around a while for a lot, but is that new that young people think they know more? When I was younger, there was a lot of things I thought I knew, and then I got old and discovered I didn't have a clue. Well, it's nothing new. It's just gotten more extreme. Maybe more extreme. <laughs> yeah, let me... Because I, I don't, because I, I think every generation has that. You know, when you kind of go back, we kind of do that. I want to get to some other calls because we'll run out of time. But William, I appreciate yeah. your call on that. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. JT, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott, I uh, just want to make a quick point here. We, you know, we talk about the young people, but I blame the adults. And I would say that the hippies and the counterculture, John MacArthur talked about this recently, you know, they, they, they didn't help anything by saying there are no, you know, um, boundaries in the 60s and the, and the flower children. And he was right and I, I, when he said that because that led to this thing now, like Dr. Phil calls it, narcissism, you know. Yeah. And um, here's, here's another problem, too. I've been around a lot of adults over the years that were pre-boomers and baby boomers that would get into a discussion about, you know, assassination or how a war came about or something or an attempted coup. And they said, oh, I don't believe that. And I said, why? Because that's not what we were told. And even though there were books and there were, you know, declassified documents, authentic documents from Freedom of Information Act that come out, you know, documentaries or news programs like 2020 or 60 Minutes or Nightline, there were legitimately sources, people interviewed on their insiders. So the problem is the adults, Scott, and I'll end it here, you know, we a lot of us have this attitude like an alcoholic who says, me have a drinking problem? I don't have a problem. I have a drink. I fall down, pick myself up. Hey, no problem. And it's called denial. And I've been around people like that where I try to engage them in a conversation and share something with them. And instead of them giving me any, you know, any, 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 um, you know, any 
a credit for having any intelligence. They called me stupid, and I finally, then when I didn't want to talk to them, they said, why? I said, well, who wants to be around name callers like you? I said, so next time you want to blame the young people, you ought to look at yourself in the mirror because you got three fingers pointing it back at yourself when you point one at somebody else. And I let them have it. I think that there's saying, a, a good point that says, you know, we. I think every generation kind of does this. You blame you know, the next generation for things, but we own it, right? We own the next generation. We're the ones who are speaking into them, right? If if well, if half the this, this the next generation doesn't think the Holocaust exists, well, whose fault is that? It must be somehow we've allowed that to happen, those of us who are older. Well, we've gotten complacent, and I told people, I said, hey, which organization opened up the, uh, the Internet in 1992? You want to talk about social media? I say, it begins with a P, and that's our War Department that, that governs all the war, you know, the making in, in Washington. It's called the Pentagon. And I said, who was the man who created the, uh, got the patent for a, for a cell phone? Dr. Martin Cooper. He had connections. You know, that's how you, you sell things. You have a lot of connections and you have money. And I said, you know, and, and you're right. I'll, I'll end here. The, the young people are, are, are you know, uh, there was a lot of people. Back in the 60s, and, and I think Greg Laurie knows about this, the hippies and people that were taking drugs. And then they later found that the CIA was um, infiltrating them because they had you know, relationships with pharmaceuticals, so they created LSD. So I'm saying we, we need to look at the source of these things. And if we looked at the source and would start being honest, I think we could begin to heal our society. It's just like somebody healing themselves that have had issues going back to their childhood. But if we're in denial about this and we're just going to cast blame and not, and not hold ourselves accountable for having created a mess that these kids didn't create, then is it any wonder why we're in the mess we're in? Yeah, you know? I, think, I think it matters. Thanks for your call there. You know, to go back to the sores like he's talking about, and you do go back. I mean, if you go back to the 60s, what did we do? We untethered our thinking from God, ultimately. And that does have an effect. It has an effect on how we behave, how we treat people, what we think about people, how do we determine what's right and wrong. You know, we need a national repentance. I think that we know that, actually. It's just that we're not willing to turn to the God who we need to repent to. And maybe we're just confused still at uh, which direction to be penitent toward. I think that's a big part of our our issue there. Uh, one more call here. Chuck in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Chuck. Hi, is this? Hi, how are you doing? Go ahead. I'm I'm fine. Go ahead. Okay, so I want to start back in the education deal. My grandfather got a full ride scholarship to Occidental for track, and he did not complete it because he wanted to marry my grandmother. Mm-hmm. He found in his career that he was limited. There was a ceiling placed upon him because they cared uh, at Atlantic Richfield. They cared about degrees back then, and that was back in like the. Ah, the 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Yeah. Now, my dad was a master's degree holder, educator. He's since passed. and But everybody, until this generation, my generation, it, it was valued. Education was respected. But it's not just that the education was respected. Society was better. Society, uh, when you ask my grandfather, do you believe in God? He says, how can you not believe in God? That's what most people said. They had some belief in God. They may not go to the same church I do, but general people, generally people had a respect for their fellow man and for God. Today, that's gone. Yeah, I think that is, is at the core. Shape. At the core of all of this, I'm almost out of time, Chuck. I appreciate your your call there. I think that's at the core 
of where we're at. Not everybody's going to agree with that because we've left that behind. You know, the Bible is, particularly in the Old Testament, speaks a lot about how one generation is doing well and the next one isn't, right? That the parents fail to pass along to their children what is ultimately true. Um, you know, in modern times, I remember Ronald Reagan in his farewell address, he said, you know, freedom is, he said it actually a lot, freedom is never more than one generation away from being taken away from us. And that you don't pass along uh, freedom or the truth in the bloodstream, it has to be taught. Uh, Nietzsche, to get really into the weeds of philosophy, he talked about if you, un- and he didn't believe in God, and he struggled with that. And the reason he struggled is because if you don't believe in God, then you have untethered the reason why for everything we do. That you he, you basically untethered the whole solar system from the sun. That's what he would say. And that's what we'd done. And that drove him crazy, actually, because he just refused to see that uh, really the wisdom in, in that statement. We have untethered the uh, world from, you know, our culture from the truth. For us as Christians, the opportunity, I think, is to put that tether back, at least with the people that God has placed in our own life. You know, it's, we as, in time, that's what I think brings reform to the university system or education. In time, that's what brings reform to government and makes things the way, you know, function in a practical way. I do believe that that's true. We can get into that another time, but we're almost out of time. In your world, wherever you are, make sure that you recognize that God's put people in your life to love in the name of Jesus with truth uh, and respect them for it. All right, we're out of time. Thanks, everybody, for your calls Monday. uh, And uh, follow me on social media. Get the podcast, The Pastor Scott Show, at Pastor Scott Show. Be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.